3: welcome to this week's episode of the inspired evolution this week we've got rock thomas on discussing the power of our own identity the way we relate to ourselves and the inside the inside bits of all of that are the negative self-talk bits the negative self-talk bits that keep us all trapped and stuck in so many ways let's dive deep and find out how best to overcome that Welcome to the Inspired Evolution, a show dedicated to helping you actually live the life that you love. I'm your host, Amrit Sandhu, international speaker, global coach, and loving podcaster. As a gift for tuning into this podcast, I have something really special just for you. My premium short course, which can teach you how to meditate in just seven days. You can download it now at www.inspiredevolution.com forward slash learn. That's www.inspiredevolution.com forward slash learn. Learn how to meditate in just seven days. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this powerfully insightful conversation. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the latest episodes launching every Monday designed to help you live the life you love and keep you inspired to evolve. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution and ladies, gentlemen, it is such a treat to be here today. We have with us Rock Thomas. Rock, how are
2: you? I'm doing fantastic. Boy, that is one way to open up. I love it. <laughs> are you still there, or is
3: like the is the wind kind of blowing through the cat through the microphone through the camera, and you kind of uh, hold it on? <laughs> I um, for those tuning into Rock for the first time, man, he's had an impact on millions of lives. Right, he just to give you like kind of the 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 general kind of perspective he is he's got 36 different in, like last i checked 30, 36 different um, income streams that you know he's created the, all these businesses that support him on his journey through life and he started with very very humble origins uh the key around there the reason why he's here for me today is I find him an extremely inspirational speaker. If you've got a minute beyond this minute that you're listening to this podcast and want to dive deeper, I highly encourage you to check out some of the Goldcast videos uh, that they have created together with Rock Thomas, Goldcast and Rock Thomas. Um, Yeah, just as an inspirational speaker, mate, you inspire the pants off me. But um, luckily this video is Torso (laughs) only, and um, and for yeah. Also, the the kind of the evolution piece. Like Brock is a world class coach. Um, He's been doing this for a lot longer than I have, and it's just a real, you know, it's just really humbling to be able to have your mentors on the show. So it's it's really really a blessing to have you here, brother. Welcome.
2: Yeah, I mean, anytime we get a chance to talk about rich conversations and how to, you know, for each one of us to become a better version of ourselves. You know, the training's always in, it never stops. And the more we learn, the more we learn, we don't know that much. So let's hopefully figure out something together tonight that we, neither of us know, it'll just happen organically. <laughs> I love that.
3: And the, the learning piece is a powerful one um, because one of the things that, I guess, if I was to just sort of fan fan the flames to one of the conversations I wanted to have was, like I, I've, I see myself as a perpetual student. Yeah, this conversation around forever growing is is definitely a conversation that's present for me. And I hear you share this a lot, which is you're either learning um, or you're winning. <laughs> yeah, the conversation around failure is just one that is just like not present. And I think it's really powerful because I've I've heard people say this before, but. From my perspective, when I hear you say that, I, I can feel the embodiment with which you share that. And it it lands a lot deeper for me. Like I've heard that saying many times, it's like success is the, the neighbour of failure. It's okay to fail, keep failing, fail better, fail harder, keep going. But the way I hear you share it, Rock, it, it really makes an impact on me. It just makes it, oh, yep, of course, I'm going to win and learn, win and learn, win and learn, win and learn. Can you tell us a little bit about potentially some of the places that you've um won, places you've uh, you've learnt and why that is such a such a thing that you share
2: you know i think that when you're going through your life there's things that we try to control and as humans we love control because it gives us certainty it makes us feel safe but at the end of the day there's so many things we cannot control and COVID is a great example and i think there are different levels of your ability to win and learn so the, the most successful people and athletes are always a good, easy example. And I know you're down under. So using a, um, you know, I'll go with a big name, like say Federer or Michael Jordan that are globally known. Those people are so respected because there's not really much difference time-wise between the learning and the, and the appreciation of the lesson. A lot of times people will lose a game and they'll be down and out where the Michael Jordan's and the Federer's it's actually not even the split of a second. So when the ball hits the top of the net and it falls off to the other side for Roger Federer, what he's actually done, he's already preset himself to win. So he has a mantra when he goes to the game before the game and he says, I intend to win, I will play full out. And if in the unlikely case that there's a bad call or the ball doesn't bounce my way. It will serve me to win anyway. Mm. So he is built into his system, his motherboard, if you will, that there actually is no bad luck. There are no bad things that happen. Everything is there to serve him. Most people, we live in a victim society. So Mm -hmm. most people are wishing things would be easier. But the Federers of the world, the champions, the masters, in my opinion, they actually relish in the adversity. They respond. They're like, okay, game on. Things are, the wind is blowing. The crosswinds are hard. Let's batten down the hatches. Let's go, boys, right? And they get fired up by adversity. And therefore, they can get the most out of the adversity. So for me, even the learning for me, I've become better at now moving into gratitude for adversity, yeah. and that's being a growth process. Because initially, yeah, you do want your stock to go up easily, and you do want your business to grow, and you do want no key employees to quit, and you do want your competition to you know, fall over and make it easy for you. You do want that because the human brain wants easy. Hmm. But after a period of time, do you think that the top, I don't know, Aussie rules, Uh, athlete would want to play against an eight-year-old son and boy and just run him over and win 100 to nothing? No. He wants to play against the best because it'll bring the best out of him. That's choosing to love a worthy opponent. And I think that's the difference is successful people relish the adversity. Yeah, I love that.
3: Thank you so much for sharing that, because this was going to be a conversation I wanted to have with you was around pressure and performance, because one of the interesting pieces is even when we have pressure that crumbles us sometimes, we always look back and, you know, from a aware perspective, say, actually, some of those challenges were some of the best things that ever happened to me. You know, and it's like, wow, like, you know, that time someone stole my car, you know, like I met the, I met my mentor that way or the the randomest things happen. Right. But you see the blessing in disguise with, with the blessing of hindsight. And what I'm hearing is I've been noticing this in my, in my own system, which is I kind of look back and go, what if I was grateful through the process rather than just looking back and going like, yo, like that was amazing that that happened. But it is a bit hard to in the moment when you're going through um, some of the some of the nitty grittier moments of life um, to invoke that gratitude without feeling like you're not honoring the process potentially of the challenges that are coming your way. How do you navigate that pressure and not necessarily being delusional, but still being positive rock like how do you how do you play that game?
2: You know, it's a good question. And there's a few elements at play because as humans, we want to belong and we want to connect. When I was 15 years old, I used to hitchhike to a ski hill from my house to a job that I had a part-time job because my parents wouldn't drive me. And I used to feel terrible, like, come on, man, I'm going to a job, drop me off. It's, 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 you know, eight kilometers. It's going to take you 15 minutes there and back, but it's going to take me, I have to leave an hour and a half to make sure I get there. And I felt, you know, I felt a lot of emotions, of abandonment, of lack of love, etc. But about um, two months ago, I locked myself out of my Tesla. Yes. And I, I was using my phone as the key. And I left the phone in the, in the car because I said, okay, I'm working on detoxing from the internet. I'm gonna leave the phone in the car while I go into the shopping center to get my vegetables, and it's gonna be good for me. But I forgot that I didn't have my key, I came back with three bags of groceries and I'm like, go! And I had this choice to walk seven kilometers home or ask somebody for a favor to drive me there. But with COVID-19, I went through these thoughts of, okay, that's weird. Ask somebody. I got a mask on. They got a mask on. They may not want me in their car. What if I, you know, they have a grandfather or somebody who's susceptible. So I elected to pretend I was walking to the ski hill and I remembered that. And I was like, I can do this. Mm. And now I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. It was 110 degrees out. I'm in flip flops and I'm sweating and I watching my inner narrative. And that's where the gift is, mm. is what's showing up for you. Do you feel sorry for yourself? Are you pissed off? Do you beat yourself up? Cause you shouldn't, you weren't aware cause you left the phone in the car, etc. And I think, The real journey is this constant inner narrative that we have and the locking of the phone or the walking to the ski hill or the employee that quit or whatever are all opportunities for you to become more self-aware. So that's how I look at it. It doesn't matter. Somebody who chooses to run a marathon has to run three times a week. They've chosen those obstacles. Me locking my phone in the car, I didn't choose that obstacle but I utilized it to become more self-aware of how I responded to it and I think that's the higher response in life and so that's how I choose to respond to all of the adversity and try to utilize it for my own personal growth.
3: Thank you so much for sharing that and uh, yeah, this is something that's been super present for me recently as well. yeah, it's been really, really relevant, sort of having you on, and at, especially at this time, and just doing the research to, to having you on has been really, really great for me. In terms of the conversation around story, um, I felt for quite some time, and I say this jokingly, but it, it kind of is probably like one of my highest truths, is that um, personal development, like it can just be a game of self-identity politics <laughs> with yourself, right? Um, And I sometimes even wonder if we really like the whole conversation around is it preordained or is it destiny like you don't I'm not sure we'll ever know the answers like you know people are like people have been questioning this for thousands of years, is it pre programmed is it up to our like where is our free will, and the conversation around choice is one that we we often interface with in that dialogue that deep philosophical conversation. But one of the things that comes back to me is okay I'm not never I'm never going to know the answer to whether there is preordained destiny or if you know we there is free will but one thing I am aware of is my choice of how I show up and maybe that's the only choice I have and that's what I'm hearing from you is that hey like you have the choice to tap into the story that that you know that is the one that you want to write can you tell us more about you know just you you're like the power of identity rock.
2: Yeah, so the one of the strongest forces in the human spirit is this desire to remain consistent with how we see ourselves.
0: Mm.
2: However, your prefrontal cortex doesn't fully develop until you're virtually an adult about 21, I believe, and therefore most of the things we hear are suggestions. So like it was suggested to me by my loving brother that I was so ugly that he could call me pizza face. Cause I had acne. So I developed this mantra inside. Every time I got up, I looked, I would look at my face and I go, how many, you know, pepperoni pieces are on your face tonight, buddy, this oh, wow. morning. And I, so I became the, the, the perpetuator of this narrative. And I think this is what happens in our life. People tell us you're short, you're tall, you're skinny, you're fat, you're shy. You're stupid. You never amount to much. And they download their shitty programming from their parents, from their environment to us, sometimes in a bad way and sometimes not knowing any better. Mm -hmm. Like you you could be introducing your child to somebody and saying, oh, don't worry. Susie's shy. She won't say much. You don't mean bad, but you're now telling the child to behave a certain way and the child doesn't know any better. So the child starts to perform that way and thinks that she's shy. Then you grow up into an adult and you have all of these labels, all of these things that compose your identity and some of them work and some of them don't. So for instance, I was really hard worker. I grew up in a farm and people would say like, you should hire him. He works really hard. He shows up early and stays late. Well, guess what? I actually lived in Sydney, Australia for a year. I drove a taxi 12 hours a day from three o'clock in the afternoon to three o'clock in the morning. I went home. I slept until 7 a.m. and I had a second job from 7 until 11 a.m. delivering passports in downtown Sydney. Then I went back home, had a nap, had something to eat, and drove my taxi six days a week because the programming said, I'm a hard worker and I was rewarded for it. Mm -hmm. I think the journey of personal development for me, Amrit, is, is finding out what parts are true to you, what parts are useful, and what parts have been suggested to you that have nothing to do with who you truly are. And that's why you're peeling back these layers and going, you know, am I really shy? Am I really introverted? Or am I just thoughtful or quiet or, or okay with not having to voice my opinion? And that's why the, the journey of personal development is so complex because there's these layers of, well, my grandmother likes it when I finish my broccoli because she gives me this beautiful chocolate chip cookie, right? Mm. And so now all of a sudden you're somebody who eats your greens and, and has a sweet tooth, if you mm. follow what I mean. Totally. Totally.
3: Yeah, thank you so much. I love it. Um... Yeah, what you're sharing there is like the seeds, just being conscious of where they come from because they become self-fulfilling prophecies. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I find that really powerful. In and around identity then, how does one, you know, build a vision for themselves that is then connected to a part of themselves that's not so layered rock? Like, how do I find out whether it's Really, something that I love—like, do I really love broccoli, or do I love chocolate chip cookies, or do I love neither? Like, how do I build a vision that is truly mine? What What are your, some of your tips and habits and hacks in in and around there yeah. that?
2: Yeah, so I'm a big believer of the morning and evening routines. Journaling is one of them. Yeah, meditation, self reflection, um, being self curious, and paying attention to what works. Like, I'm a I'm a vegan, so. Um, It's taken me 55 years, 57 years to become a vegan um, because I wasn't paying attention. I was letting the narrative of what the world told me. You got to get your protein through animal meat, you know, I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. I want big muscles. And so I'll get my protein through animal meat. And I'm in better shape now with no animal products than ever before. Djokovic is a vegan. Um, A lot of great athletes are vegan. Arnold Schwarzenegger is vegan. Um, so you know gorillas 500 pound gorillas are vegan <laughs> it's like, you don't need meat to create muscle but the people that sell meat want you to believe that
3: mm.
2: I think a lot of self-reflection and then for me with my pizza face story I, I came across a better programmer than my brother and he simply said choose a part of you because we all have different parts You know, we have the warrior, we have the magician we have the sovereign choose a part of you that loves yourself better than criticizing yourself and calling yourself pizza face what would you call yourself and the short story is I came up with ruggedly handsome I had you know holes in my face from picking my pimples all the time so I wasn't Tom Cruise you know pretty boy or like you, you've got beautiful perfect skin I had, I had you know the result of somebody who picked at their face chose ruggedly handsome. Mm. And and then I chose Clint Eastwood as a guy that was, I thought was ruggedly handsome. And so we created an affirmation or an incantation around that. And I want you to imagine if I said a hundred thousand times to myself pizza face, well, now I need to say a hundred thousand times to myself ruggedly handsome to overwrite that story. Mm. And That's exactly what I did. And people will say, well, you know, how long does it take? It'll take as long as you need it to take, but the more emotion that you put into it, the better it is. Because if I go, yeah, if I woke up and I went, yeah, pizza face, but I don't really believe in pizza face. Ah, whatever. Right. Or if I went, oh my God, I'm so ugly pizza face. Nobody's going to like me. I'm going to be alone on pizza face. And I cried. There's more emotion there. It'll have a deeper resonance in my body. If I go ruggedly handsome, I guess I'm ruggedly handsome, but if I go, I'm ruggedly handsome, man, I am ruggedly handsome, I'm ruggedly handsome, I feel ruggedly handsome, yes, Clint Easton and I were the same. The more energy I put into it, the more I can shift the memory in the cells of my brain. And so that's how people go from not being a great athlete to winning the gold medal from believing they can't do public speaking to becoming, you know, a public speaker from saying, you know, I never did a podcast to being a host of a podcast because you collect the evidence, you start to talk to yourself, act that way. And eventually over time, your brain goes, yeah, that's me. It's a very simple process, but it requires energy, 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 like the old saying is that in order to move, move a product from its inertia, you have to apply an equal or greater force. Mm. So if you want to become a different version of yourself, you've got to displace the old story with the new story.
3: Thank you so much. And I, yeah, I hear, I really appreciate the, the power that you're sharing with affirmations in there. And I want to dive deeper into that momentarily. I guess the question that comes up for me is, when you're saying bring the energy, there's a certain amount amount of belief that, uh, powers the energy. How do we shift the belief sometimes? Like, let's just use the pizza phase. For example, thank you so much for sharing yourself so vulnerably with us. Um, when you, when you were first telling yourself that, you know, I can be ruggedly handsome, like, is there, is there a, like, how does, how does one actually believe that that is even possible? Um, Is it a matter of tuning into people that are like, like yourself that have actually gone, actually this, this works. um, And using that, leveraging that kind of uh, power of transformation in somebody else's system as a belief that, Hey, this is possible for me. um, Or is there something a bit more intrinsic that we can tune into bolster the belief behind us? Yeah. Actually realizing some of the change that we're looking to have.
2: Yeah. So any belief has three stages to it. One is opinion. Then there's the belief and then there's conviction and it has to do with in many ways, reference self-reference and external reference. So when I first said it, I didn't believe it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm really handsome. My, my brain went a hundred thousand references of you being ugly, girls refusing to give you attention, you being alone, blah, blah. And it, 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 it served all those up to my brain. Mm-hmm. So actually you kind of chip away at it. You make these deposits. One of the most powerful ways for people to shift is to find a tribe or be in an environment where people will reflect the new version of yourself. I say that your friends are comfortable with your present and your mentors are comfortable with your future. So if I want to shift from working hard to working smart or from pizza face to ruggedly handsome or from broke to millionaire, I can't just walk around and go i'm a millionaire i'm a millionaire i'm a millionaire my brain's going no you're freaking broke you what you want to do is you want to start to go okay what are the behaviors of a millionaire be around millionaires share your story with people that care another thing i like to say is declare it with and share it with people that care about it Hmm. right so you make that declaration to yourself i'm going to become a millionaire Then you share it with people that care and they're gonna go, yeah, you can become a millionaire. I became one, here are the things I do. What are you doing now? What's your morning routine? How are you thinking? What books are you reading? What ways are you investing? How much money are you making? You know, the interesting thing about becoming financially free, I don't know about Australia, but 3% of the North American homes are millionaires. 3%. We're supposed to live in the land of opportunity. 50% of Americans spend more than they make and it starts with the piggy bank that we have at the age of five or six and then we smash it open to go buy our first toy Mm. we're taught to save to invest or to spend Mm. to spend so we start to spend and then we get to high school and we want some money to go out with our mates and we go to mom and dad and they tell us to go get a job So we now trade our most valuable asset called time for money, so that we can go and spend the money. So this programming happens at a very young age. I mean, if if you had parents had said to you, hey, I want some money to go with my friends. They said, well, then why don't you go in and buy some real estate or start a job or start a business or invest in the stock market. And then they trained you how to do that. That's what I do with the people in my group then all of a sudden you have access to something called leverage. Mm. Leverage is a sexy word for rich people, right? It's an unknown word for people that struggle. Most struggling people make money for the weekend and entertain themselves. Rich people make money to invest. You work hard for your money, and then your money works hard for you. But if you play the money game right, you don't have to use only your own money. If you learn how to figure out how to get some credit, you can actually buy real estate using about 75 or 80% of other people's money that you can borrow at a very low interest rate and get leveraged returns. My real estate, I don't know about Australia, again, I know you guys have crazy prices, but I will make between 25 and 33% on an average real estate purchase annually. Some of it is hidden long-term. It's not cash on cash, but think about that. If you have a million dollars, and you're getting a 25% return, that's $250,000. It doesn't take you too long before you're free, mm-hmm. but they don't teach you that in school either. So by the time you get to, you know, young 20s, let's just take a, a little snapshot of where people are at. Mm-hmm. They've be spending most of the time, partying a lot of the time. They've maybe got a decent or nice car because it's fun to have that, right? Mm-hmm. And we want freedom. They maybe have a nice flat i think you guys call it or apartment Mm -hmm. Um, they're going out to meals and dinners and spending money at the bars and they're going to movies and doing fun things they have no money left Mm -hmm. so when you turn that around i teach people three simple things number one is your one job isn't enough get a second job Mm -hmm. work 80 to 90 hours a week for at least two to three years There's a benefit to that too, Imrit, is that when you work 90 hours a week, there's no time to go spend the money. (laughs) Number one is add massive value when you go to your work. Go early, stay late, do overtime, take all the jobs nobody else wants. You'll get the promotions and raises and before you know it, you'll be running the department. You'll get the most out of where you are, even if it's a shitty job. Mm -hmm. Second thing is get a second job or a side hustle so that you're going to earn twice as much if you're making 50,000, I want you to earn a hundred. Mm. You can do it if you're hungry. And then if you're spending 50, which most people are, I want you to slash that down to about 20 mm. rent a room, get rid of your nice car, get a shit box, stop going out and eating fancy meals and cut off your discretionary spending on the $300 pair of shoes or whatever you're doing and do that for two or three years, save 70 to 80%. And then guess what? Go buy some real estate. Hmm. Don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. Because real estate will go up year over year over year and people need a place to live. So it's a safe bet. And until you get really educated and know how to invest in the stock market or run a business, get your first piece in real estate, which 90% of millionaires have done it through real estate. And if you did just that, you could take control and ownership of your journey toward financial freedom without playing a victim and saying, oh, I got a student debt. I got this. I got that. No, you could do what I just said. If you're hungry enough, if you're not, then it's okay. You could work for somebody like me. (laughs)
3: I thank you so much for sharing that there's the last little bit that you touched on the hunger I think is something I've heard you speak about before I was uh, listening into one of your talks and someone wisely actually I think they were seeking your mentorship and asked what do you seek for in a mentee and I was expecting like a long-winded sort of skills and this and that sort of you know breaking down a CV almost and you nutted out in a word it was just like mate just come hungry
2: yeah, it's really that. And and then it begs the question of, well, what if you have trouble motivating yourself? You're not that hungry. Maybe you grew up in a comfortable, like I didn't grow up in a comfortable environment, as you know from my goal cast video. Mm-hmm. So I was given the the beautiful gift of adversity. Mm. And so it, it made me hungry. People ask me, well, why are you, you know, do you have now 42 streams of income? Why are you, you know, you know, still hungry at 58 and you still like to, you know, build things? I go, try being poor for a long time. That'll create some hunger. And so if people weren't in that situation, then they've got to put themselves into situations that force them to grow. Now, you don't have to do something crazy, but maybe you need to wake up and do 10 push-ups. Maybe you need to set an alarm and do 10 push-ups 10 times a day and get 100 push-ups done and do that. You know, there's a thing called 75 hard. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's two workouts a day, drink a gallon of water, no alcohol for 75 days. Well, I did 75 soft because I already developed the hard part. I don't need to be more of a warrior. So I did 75 days of yoga. Uh-huh. But the fact of the matter is somebody like me and yourself, I believe we're constantly finding ways to become uncomfortable. Mm. And that could be. Meditating is a cha- has been a challenge for me. It's taken me a long time to get better at that. Whatever makes you uncomfortable is going to cause you to grow. And if working really hard or working eighty hours a week is not something that you do, then you're working forty, work forty two, mm-hmm. then work forty three, then work forty four. Build yourself up. The first one of the first products I came out with was called the Six Keys to Success, and the first one is called You've got to have a burning desire.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I teach people how to have a burning desire and cultivate it. And I went down to see Elvis. Have you ever gone to Graceland? No. So I went. I went down there as a science project for myself. I was like 40 uh-huh. years old, but I'm like, how does somebody like Elvis become Elvis? Mm. They walk through his house and through his plane and through his world. Every single room, kitchen, everything has something to do with music. Everywhere. No everywhere yeah. so you got to find out a little bit what lights you up mm. and then you have it everywhere you need to see it feel it talk about it share it with with people etc mm-hmm. what lights me up is like you get helping people get out of the rat race and have more time freedom so they can freaking live a life that actually matters and lights them the fuck up mm-hmm. because it's too short to be sitting in a cubicle or doing something you hate mm-hmm. So that fires me up. So I'm always looking for ways to help people. I've helped 65 people become millionaires in the last four and a half years. I still get texts today from people like this one guy, Mike, who was an accountant and he was living the American dream, right? Got a good education, get a student loan, get a beautiful wife, a nice kid, a dog, a picket fence and a beautiful house. $110,000 a year in income. Guess what? Depressed. Hmm. He had a son who had a medical condition, so he had to work his 8 to 10 hours. Then he came home. His wife went and worked 8 to 10 hours, and then their mother-in-law came over and helped out. They never saw each other, and he like, what the frick? This is not the idea I had for my life. Mm-hmm. Story short, he came to us today. We turned him into an entrepreneur, and he now has 28 Airbnb doors, and because we do a course where we help people discover what their nature is. And I'll give you an example for that specifically is LeBron James, you probably heard the name, Mm -hmm. right? Six foot 10. This guy has got kind of the makeup to be a basketball player, an athlete. In every way, (laughs) yeah. There's another guy though, I forget his name right now, but he he was uh, a great distance runner, won two Olympic medals, but he's five foot six. Mm but he has very long legs. Mm-hmm. His genetic makeup is perfect for a long distance runner, not so much for a basketball player. Mm-hmm. So we have tendencies. It's really important that you find out what your tendency is, where your chances are greater to succeed. Mm-hmm. Well, we found out that this guy has a tendency to teach. He has a talent for teaching. There's mm-hmm. a test you can take for it. He now teaches people how to do Airbnb, he has hundreds of clients that charge, he charges $6,000 a year. Hmm. He Retired his mother, his wife, himself, and now his little cute little son who's doing better works with his dad throughout all this process and live in the dream. Yo. All of that, because we are able to change an environment, expose them to something he didn't know and hmm. give him an opportunity to live the dream. I get a text once a month from him saying, Thank you, my family thanks you, etc. So I'm writ- that's why I do what I do. Mm. Because I feel like I'm saving not just one person's life, but a family's life, Perfect. a sense of well-being. Because we've been sold this promise that is no longer valid in the world we live in today. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing
3: that. And the key behind that, how important is our self-talk? to activating all of that like the things that are hinged in there like you said like you know uh being trapped in certain rat races or you know the the self-talk element i know you're behind the i am movement um tell us about the importance of self-talk how to unpack it how to rewire it enlighten us
2: (laughs) well if you haven't noticed you're having a conversation with yourself all the time
3: Uh, I thought you were here, Rock. Am I just talking to myself? (laughs) I'm more delusional than I gave myself credit for.
2: (laughs) Everybody's having this little inner narrative, right? And it's almost like the devil and the angel or the dark and the light. And it's like, you know, um, gosh, maybe I should ask her to marry me. Well, I don't know. Am I good enough for her? Well, you know, I I don't want to live alone. And and this narrative goes on forever. Hmm. So you might as well direct it. You might as well be the director and the writer of your inner narrative and do it consciously because if not, the world wants your eyeballs. You're going to wake up like about 62% of the population. The first thing they do is they grab their phone and they allow somebody else to direct their inner narrative. They look at something. oh my God, stock market's up or an email's bad or "Or this person looks really good on Facebook and I look like a schmuck and they they take all that in. So the I am movement is about the words that follow I am follow you and consciously choosing to describe yourself in a way that you can fall back in love with. So I'll give you an example. I have, I'm gifted, guided, grateful, powerful, passionate, playful, sexy, sensual, sensitive, and blessed. Mm. And I have 10 words because when I work out, instead of going 10 reps, I say those words so they can really land and they can grow in me. Mm. And then every once in a while, I develop some other ones when I wanna shift. So for my dear friends, and I consider you a dear friend, I I say this, I'm happy, healthy, and horny. Mm -hmm. And so those allow me to be playful. And then recently I added this, I'm calm, kind, and complimentary. Mm. And I chose those words because some people, no, you're just like, you're, you're like straight to the point. And I thought, but that's not who I am in my heart. I've learned to be that way with all the businesses I run and everything, but the CEO from the boardroom doesn't need to be like that when he's ordering a salad at the restaurant.
3: <laughs> yeah. true.
2: So I said, okay, well, how am I going to shape that? So I said, I'm calm. I'm kind and I'm complimentary. So that's going to be, Hey, you know what, what's your favorite salad that you have here? And oh my God, you know what? This beautiful hair you have—it um, really, really looks good on you today. Um, I'll take the Caesar salad, thank you. Mm-hmm. So I—I I help myself find a part of myself that's available that I haven't shined a light on. We all have these archetypes, right? Mm-hmm. So it's about going, okay, which one is going to work best in this setting, mm-hmm. and then allowing myself to nurture that part out, develop him, and give him a role in my life. Does that make sense? Totally. I love the way you put that. What follows
3: I am follows you. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. So you're basically, in a way, you're incanting your reality into existence.
2: Yeah. I mean, do you have anything ever negative you say about yourself in your own mind? Like, oh my God, that was stupid. Or why did I do that? (laughs) Wow. How much time you got?
3: (laughs) Um, Yeah. I often find myself uh, somewhat being a bit um, critical, especially on the entrepreneurial journey, I think you'll be, uh, this one, this is one people may relate to is there's there's always more to strive towards and there's always more to be achieved. And it's like, oh, you know, I, sh- I should have made that decision, you know, in the past that potentially unlocked what's coming up ahead. I know it's not a serving thought because I'm obviously spending a lot of time in meditation, self-aware, and I can sort of pick them now because I've got a past with depression, which, you know, I know thoughts of the past don't help me, but they still, they still creep in. I'm aware of that. It's like, oh, I should have made a decision differently. Should have, you know, could have done this differently. And I wonder if, oh, what if I did that? So these are some of the 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 self judgment is is present sometimes. Yeah.
2: So it's about that awareness, and as you do your your meditations and your journaling, and you start to notice, you know, um, an inner narrative. I was just talking to my daughter today, and she said she was with some friends that pointed something out. And she's an empath. She's very, very loving. And she would see like, you know, maybe an old lady walking across the street carrying her bags. And she goes, oh my God, that makes me so sad. And this girl said to her, I notice you say that quite a bit. She goes, what if you were to change it and say, you know, um, gosh, that's, you know, that's her journey. And mm-hmm. just a subtle change in language can help you cr- access a different emotion and so a lot of times we're unconsciously saying things to ourselves and I say what whose voice is that so it might be your parents that said well don't be so stupid around people or don't be so rude or whatever and then through conditioning you pick pick that up so being aware choosing some new words deciding where you want to move to be I have eight areas of my life, so I, di- I divide them up, and I go, okay, who do I want to be in the area of health and, and wellness? Well, I was working out with a trainer once, and he goes, Rock, you're like a ripped athletic machine. I'm like, oh, that's a new phrase for my identity. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I didn't think about it. He said it, and I grabbed it. And so now I think of myself as a ripped athletic machine. Mm-hmm. I was working with a guy who was 65 years old and he went skating with his grandson in Canada hmm. and after skating around the rink twice he was huffing and puffing so he sat down and he turned all proud to his grandson and he said aren't we having fun and um the grandson looked up at him and he goes yeah but granddad we just went around twice and you're already sitting down this is pretty boring you're fat and overweight <laughs> oh. and he's like oh. But that was the leverage he needed. So he called me up and he goes, I got to get in better shape. So long story short, as we changed his identity from, you know, drinking six diet Cokes a day, eating whatever he wanted and not exercising to that of an athlete, and all I did is I said to him, if you were an athlete, a top athlete, what would you eat? How would you exercise? What would you say to yourself? And it was so easy for him to go, well, I wouldn't have six diet Cokes a day and I wouldn't be eating donuts and I wouldn't be eating as much as I want and asking my wife for a third serving. And he goes, I would portion my meals. I would work out. I'd hire a trainer. Nine months later, it seems like a long time, but for somebody who had an identity at the age of 65, their whole life, mm. of dieting and overweight, nine months later, 199 pounds, he now skates an hour and a half with his grandson and he's a new man, because <laughs> a new identity. So that's the power of our identities.
3: Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, yeah, I'm really, really steeping in this. Thank you so much for sharing it. And what I heard before was the opportunity for me to rewrite that if, yeah, when that judgment comes in about, Oh, you could have done this better. And it's like, ah. Uh, I'm inspired to realize the best version of myself, you know, I can rewrite that, like, you know, I'm so inspired to realize the best version of myself. And there's that opportunity to reframe what is, you know, potentially the negative, it's like, oh, it's so sad that that's happening over there is like, oh, you know, that person's on their own journey, you know, like, I'm inspired to 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 realize the best version of myself thanks rock i i really appreciate that that's really beautiful and i'm i can i can trust that those that are listening in are receiving a lot of value in and around just the the power of the inner narrative and thank you so much for unpacking like how to actually go into the belief systems around that rock just before i let you go i'd love to sort of feel into a question that i love to ask is what does an inspired evolution mean to you
2: Aspired evolution
3: yeah what does that mean to you
2: Um, I would say curiosity has to be a word that Mm. it would pop into my mind. I think youth is curious. I consider myself very curious. I have part of my identity statement is that I am a phenomenal student, Mm. uh, that I capture the essence and apply it at a level of mastery even more right now. Mm. So I really believe in um, coming from not really knowing, but being really, really curious. And that inspires me uh, to evolve. Mm. And um, I think that an openness, a playfulness and a willingness to um, cross-pollinate different areas. So if I was to have a conversation with an astronaut, I would be really curious as to know and ask lots of questions so that it could impact my own evolution. And same thing with a homeless person. Um, Same thing with, you know, I often ask people when I, you know, they're serving me, I go, is this your dream job Uh, or an Uber driver? And I love to hear their response because I have this preset that it couldn't be. But this girl who who is serving me drinks on the golf course the other day, she goes, actually, it is. I've been doing it for six years and I can travel anywhere. They'll hire me on any golf course around the world and I have jobs and I'm free and I love it. And I was like, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So curiosity asking questions and finding out what I don't know that I don't know. I don't know if I answered the question.
3: I love that. I love that. It's about the openness to that. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah. I think uh, just looking back on our conversation today, one of the biggest things that I'm taking away is uh, the declare, share and care piece. I think oftentimes I find myself sharing with others and I think we, and I'm probably not just speaking on behalf of myself here, but we're often sharing, you know, some of the stuff that's coming up for us, but potentially there's a whole body of work there around declaring the I am movement that you're behind, you know, actually standing in it owning it before you start sharing it. And then from there, I think oftentimes we're sharing and we're just sharing it left, right and center, kind of like a spray spray gun. Um, but actually, like you said, kind of sharing it with people that actually, you know, care. Um, so you're directing your energy with a bit more mindfulness, uh, mindfully. And I think that brings me to the last little piece, um, which I know there's a bit of, uh, there's a bit, <laughs> I know you spent quite, a lot of resources, spending time and energy with with Tony Robbins in the past, um, and Tony likes to say it as state is state is your most valuable asset is kind of the way that he likes to put it, um, and that that served me a great deal until I sort of came to your work and found that energy is everything. And I'm much, I'm much more intimate with that conversation, and just it just settles in, um, just that way deeper, and it's just cleaner for me to approach. And I'm sure different people, different things settle in differently, but energy is everything. Tell us a little bit about that before we before we clock off here today.
2: So first of all, I just want to acknowledge you for being a really really amazing student, uh, and you know assimilating what I'm saying and then really articulating it back. And so that's first of all it's respectful, and second of all it's it's nice because. Um, a lot of times people don't really listen. So I just want to honor you for that. Um, the second thing I'd say is that I'm a big believer that age is just is just a number and that I'm very blessed with um, an 84-year-old mother who's really cool and is really energetic and sassy and playful and a little outrageous. So I got a little bit of that exposure. And so I think that Sadly, people don't take a lot of ownership for the vehicle called their body. And, and so you know they know more about their car than they can do about their body. Find out what makes you tick. Find out maybe you, you need to eat meat all the time. I don't care what you eat, what, what makes you tick? What makes this beautiful vessel as efficient, as effective as possible? Somebody told you maybe, oh, you need eight hours sleep a night. I only need like six, six and a half. That's my sweet spot. Find out who you are, what makes this system for you work, what kind of inner conversation you have with yourself, the fuel you put in, the things that light you up, create a compelling future by having things in your calendar that excite you. Like, you know, like this Saturday, I'm going golfing with three of my best mates and it's going to be awesome. We go to a different golf course every week and I love it. We have quality conversation together and I get to look forward to that. That's exciting to me. So energy is a choice. And if you have low energy, then you chose to be ignorant about how to have high energy. And I don't say ignorant in a negative way. Ignorant is just you haven't been exposed to new knowledge. So why not go on a treasure hunt? I say to people, success is like an Easter egg hunt. The eggs are out there. Your parents wouldn't go, hey, kids, it's Easter. Let's find the eggs. They'd be really bad parents if they didn't hide anything, right? And, And be depressed. But no, assume already that high energy is available. Assume that. And if you haven't yet discovered it, shame on you. Go on a fucking Easter egg hunt and find out what makes this baby tick, what makes this baby tick, put it together, and then live a fucking epic life.
3: Rock, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for inspiring us into the best version of ourselves. Not just here today, just the work you've been doing on yourself throughout your life as well has informed this conversation. So just taking a moment to honor and acknowledge everything you've put into this. And as always, brother, just wishing you the best for for what's coming up.
2: Thank you. You're a beautiful soul, an excellent student, and you're a lovely lady. So you must be an amazing man. So Right at you, brother.
3: Touch wood. Thanks for listening in to another amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. If you're loving these episodes, make your way across to YouTube, click subscribe. Fresh episodes are launched every Monday with highlights being released throughout the week. Thank you so much. And hey, guys, just so you know, a lot of love, heart, soul and work goes into these episodes. So if you could, please leave us a five-star review and comment on iTunes. I love reading your positive feedback. It fans the flames of the passion to continue to create and help you live the life that you love. Thank you so much for your wonderful feedback. I can't wait to see you again in the next episode. Big love from Amrit. And remember to stay inspired to evolve